No, you, no, you, no, you. Hello, hello, New Life. I'm really excited backstage. I was praying for you, and here's what I was praying. I was praying that I would love you well. Not that I would inform you, because have you noticed you can know all the right answers and not be lovely? Or maybe you can know all the right answers but not walk confident in the fact that you're already loved. In fact, my life illustration is that of a cup. And it really, since I grew up in church, I remember being told that I was loved by God and I believed it. And so I had my little cup of love from God that I knew I was meant to share with the whole world so I would run around and I'd you know, splash love on people and woohoo this side. And then you know, I'd run around, I'd splash love on other people. And then I got married and then I had kids. And um, <laughs> someone's like, yeah, amen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But honestly, it was when I had kids that I started to recognize something, that the loving people was great but I had developed a really unhealthy habit. Here's what I would do, I would love people, that's good. But then I would hold out my cup in their direction to be filled up in return. Can you relate? You know, and you love people, and then you love people, and you love your kids. And the weird part about it is, when people love you back, you feel filled up like it works, right? When someone says thank you or when you're appreciated at work, it works. But here's the only problem with that is it satisfies just enough to keep you coming back. You know what I mean? I mean, social media, anywhere that you run to find love, acceptance, just to feel good for a moment, it satisfies. But just enough to, at times, make you a slave to it. So here's my hope for the message in and why I want to love you well. It's because I believe God is love and I also believe, watch this passage. <laughs> I was looking up Corinthians about like, what actually is love? Because I think it's different than like just feeling good. You know, and, and in the Bible it says love is patient. <laughs> it's kind. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And then what I said, I love at the end of it is it says this, love never fails. Ooh, Mufasa, yeah. It won't fail. And now it may fail with our intentions behind our love to be filled back up. If that's our goal, then that might fail, but love itself won't. Because God is love, right? And so here's my hope. My hope is that you'd actually understand that your cup was never meant to be on its side. And watch this, that you might tilt your cup upward the way a cup was designed to stand. Hey, Huh? Metaphor works? Ah, no, yes, doesn't matter, because we're going with it. Now watch this. Paul prayed this in Ephesians chapter three, that you, and he's speaking to Christ followers, might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of him. So watch this. That you might be so filled that you'd walk into rooms not waiting to be loved because you're secure and confident that you already are, and then it just spills out into the people that need to know it too. And ladies, let me take a second with you for a second. Can I just tell you how freeing it is to walk into every room already secure in love? And then you just watch anyone that's around you just, it overflows because imagine this cup underneath Niagara Falls, that's the love of the Lord. And that won't fail. We might fail, the Lord won't fail. So my hope is that we tilt our cup upward, be filled inward to overflow outward. 
So if you're someone longing just to be filled afresh this morning, you're in the right place because this place serves and worships a God who's satisfied. And if God is love, it's not gonna fail. But I'll tell you this, if you're seeking like inspiration and motivation, I mean, I'll do my best, but that's not promised. But what I can tell you is if we simply open up our hearts, and I wanna do this in prayer, because the type of thing I'm praying for, for us all to walk out and just overflow love to a thirsty world and to give love where there should be just anger and frustration and to give forgiveness where, where there should be just a lot of resentment, to do the work of the Lord is wild and it's gonna take an act of God. So if you're like me and you long to be filled just afresh, would you just open up your hands and let's pray together. And as you do, before you close your eyes, here's what I wanna do, something a little bit different. I'm gonna go to the Lord, I'm gonna open up our cups, but ultimately, I wanna do something a little weird. I want to allow our mind to wander. Here's why, because I'm convinced a wandering mind is a gift. Now this might surprise you. Anyone else ever pray the performance prayer and you're doing pretty good and you're saying thank you and thou is and you're doing all the right things and then your mind begins to wander. Anybody else? And what do you typically do? You pause the prayer and shame yourself back to the thing you think he's proud of. God, I'm so sorry for that. I don't know what that was all about, but here I am and forgive me and I love you. And here's my prayer and why I want our mind to wander. Jesus put it this way. Where our treasure is, is where our heart will be. Where does your mind wander to? Probably the very thing that's captured your heart. Probably the very thing that God wants to talk to you about. For me, it's like scheduling and money and all that sort of stuff. And I wonder if God's like, I want to be in that too. Because it might actually give us a signal about where we're tilting our cup. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, here we are. And yes, we have come ready to worship. And we can do our best to try to open our hearts. But ultimately, God, I ask that you would open our hearts and even our minds and we give, our, give you our energy and our strength. So even now, as our minds just are focused on you, but also aware of our lives, God, would our mind even wander to the place that we need to talk to you about? What's heaviest on our heart, Lord? I thank you that you want to meet us with truth in our real lives. So what has our heart? Don't pause the prayer. <laughs> Father, I just pray that you fill us. Remind us of your presence in all those places and all those relationships and all those responsibilities. Fill us to overflowing, we pray. And all God's children said in unison. Amen. You guys ready? Turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is where we're headed today. And I'm really excited to walk with Jesus. Anyone else? I can tell. Come on, here we go. Here we go, church. John chapter 4 begins like this. <clears throat> now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although it in fact was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Quick geography lesson. Judea, here, down at the bottom. Galilee, which is where he's headed, is here. Now, in between Judea and Galilee is a little place called Samaria. See you, front row. So right in the middle is a place called Samaria. Now, this is an important fact because it says that Jesus is headed from Judea to Galilee. And another important fact to know is that Jews 
And Samaritans didn't get along so much so that any Jew that would be traveling from Judea to Galilee would always go, take the long route around Samaria. (laughs) Do you ever have those people in your life that you just, me either. (laughs) Me, yeah. (laughs) You do though, right? Yeah, Yeah. weird, that was a confession. Now, verse four, he had to go through. Just take note of that. When everyone else goes around, he had to go through. Here's the question, why? When everyone else went around, what was it and why did Jesus go through? We continue reading. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down, which I just like that, that Jesus got tired too. You know what he did when he got tired? He sat down, (laughs) unlike us. So, because we keep running. Is anyone else a little tired? Jesus fully God, but also fully man. He experienced like all the emotions. He was tired here. So he sat down by the well and it was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So a woman is showing up to a well at what time? Now, if you live in the blazing heat of the Middle East or just, you know, in Colorado Springs during the summer um, (laughs) and you had to get water for the day, what time would you go? Would you go at noon? <laughs> would you? No. So what do we know about the woman? Immediately, just with these little details. Noon. We know something about her. She was hiding. And, it's, and, and we hide too. We all know this, right? It's not just like, maybe we're not literally like hiding from people, or maybe we are. Maybe it's a big deal that we showed up. But also we hide like this. How are you? To which you respond, good. How are you? Back on you, (laughs) right? See, she though, what she was experiencing was what naturally happens as a result of the life we're about to find out about her. Because see, sin, all the way back to like Adam and Eve, when they experienced sin, they too experienced the immediate effects of it. What would they experience? Shame. Shame is that sense of uneasiness you feel about yourself at the core of your being. Guilt is the other thing they felt. Guilt is hating what you did. Shame is hating aspects of who you are. Shame, guilt, so they blamed a bunch of people and then they hid from the Lord and also, I'm sure, from each other. Then they clothed themselves because they wanted to hide because they couldn't, they couldn't stand seeing each other. It's just shame, blame, hiding, fear, anxiety, anyone relate? And even as I say this, I just have to say, if you're experiencing any of this, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. And I love this, you're in the right place this morning because who God was is who God is and who God will forever be. And here's what I love, why did he go through Samaria? Because he wanted to meet her and he wants to meet you this morning. And he doesn't shame, he uses shame in fact. He wants to use even the shame we feel to open us to a doorway of intimacy because then we come to find out that God's love's never been dependent upon our good behavior. Isn't that good news? So he shows up, tells us at a well, what time? Noon, when he meets a Samaritan woman. And I love how the conversation begins. (laughs) Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And this is so like Jesus. 
Throughout the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you have recorded tons of Jesus asking questions, which is interesting because he's actually the only guy that knows the answer to every question, yet he's the one asking them. <laughs> he was asked in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John 184 questions. He asked 307. Oh, and of the 184 that he's asked, <laughs> he only answers three directly. How frustrating. <laughs> which is so interesting to me because I go, sometimes I don't want to share my faith because what if I don't know the answer to every question that they could ask? Take Jesus's example. The one who knew the answer, answer to every single question that could ever be asked was less interested in just giving the answers. You know what he was really interested in? And it's the same thing he's interested in today is not just giving you a bunch of answers. It's a relationship. And so what is, how do you form relationship? You ask questions. Do you want to look more like Jesus? Let me give you a real practical tip. Ask a lot more questions. Because as we'll find here, but also all throughout scripture, it's simple questions that oftentimes lead to divine encounters. Because why? Because suddenly relationship is happening. I remember when I was writing this message, I was typing that sentence and I liked it. <laughs> divine encounters often, oh, that's good, I like that, yeah, yeah that's good. But what the problem was, is I was sitting at a coffee shop, and that shouldn't be a problem, because I just wanted to let, give some, you know, um, nonverbal cues to the people around me about how social I was planning on being. I um, <laughs> put these guys in there, and I was typing it, and I remember, I can, rem I can close my eyes, and I remember the coffee shop, and I remember, okay, so it's divine encounters oftentimes start with, yeah, that's good, simple questions. It was at that moment that a gal walked up to me, and she's like, excuse me. I'm like, ah. Bless her heart. She doesn't understand for, you know, nonverbal cues. That's okay. That's okay. I'll give her another one. I'll just leave her right there, thus communicating something else. And so, I, yes, you know, yes, she says, I'm so sorry. Do you know how to use a Macintosh computer? I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought, who calls it that? Yeah. But I didn't say that, of course. I was nice. I went, oh, I do know how to use a Mac. In Tosh computer. <laughs> oh man, feels like confession here. What really goes on inside? Because we can hide it, don't we? Can't we? Yeah. I'm like, I do. She's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I can tell I'm interrupted. I'm like, oh, it's, yeah, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Divine encounters oftentimes start with simple questions. <laughs> it's obvious to you, friends. It wasn't actually obvious to me. 10 minutes later, I had moved on. Still on my computer. At some point, I went back to the moment and I reread, I reread that sentence. And I was like, oh, but I have, I, I'm about to do some ministry. This is what I love about Jesus. You want to know? He was about to do some ministry in Galilee. You know what he was willing to do in the meantime? Be interruptible. In fact, I'll tell you some of the best moments are when people tug on the hem of his robe. Can I ask you something? Are you interruptible? Me either. Oh, how we need you. Oh, how we just need more of you because I'm prone to think about my plans. Anyone else have a to-do list that you need to get through with your time? And do you, like me, even refer to our time as ours? I feel like I've had a healthier relationship with money over the past few years, but time is the one the Lord's doing the work on my heart right now. Going that, that's not even yours either. 
So I remember going like, oh, okay, fine, 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 fine. So I go back to the lady and I'm like, excuse me. She's, at this, she's like, hi. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, I do know how to use a Mac in Dosh computer. And so, so yeah, I do. Um, what do you need? She goes, oh, are you sure? I'm like, I am so sure. She goes, oh, okay, because my boyfriend bought me this computer and I'm like, you know, I'm back in school. I'm really excited, but I have to compare. I'm writing this paper comparing and contrasting like Islam and Christianity. I'm just trying to like find the truth. <laughs> Friends, I think kingdom work is happening all around us, all the time, and he's wooing us into invitation, and he's wooing us into relationships with people that make no sense outside of following Jesus. And friends, maybe let's just open up our heart and our time to go like, I'm in for your interruptions. Why? Because the world needs Jesus, and God's plan for the world is you, so don't screw it up. So John 4, but there's grace for that. There's grace for that. And so he continues and he has this conversation and it's beautiful. It's real simple. Will you give me a drink? And she brings up all the reasons they shouldn't talk. I love it. Verse nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, oh, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Also did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, oh, I love this moment. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water, I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. <laughs> the woman said to him, basically this, sure, I'll take some of that. <laughs> Sir, give me this water so I don't have to get thirsty and keep coming back here to draw water. Here's the conversation and here's the dialogue, but I love that it's an engagement. You have listening, you have, you have pursuit, you have questions, you have this. And Jesus goes, hey, can, can you give me a drink? She's like, we don't really talk. He's like, oh, we, you know, we, well, we should talk. And then she basically goes, well, let's talk about cups. He's like, you wanna talk about cups? And then in verses 13 and 14, he outlines the difference from drinking from a well that satisfies for a moment and drinking from the source of life that actually satisfies. And I love this encounter that Jesus has with the woman. It's highly relational. And as she continues, it's like, she, it's like he's slowly but surely opening up her heart and what comes out is like her fear and of people and conflict. And he's just slowly opening up her heart because he knows that as, he, as she allows him to know her, then she can know that his love is not dependent upon her good behavior, which is what she's gonna find. And this is what happens through relationships. I've worked at a Christian camp now for the past 12 years. And I remember when I used to work with the students, they're kind of crazy, which I love the Despo conference that happens here because they're kind of crazy. But I also love that I got to bring my seven-year-old to watch your kids worship. My kid's been talking about it ever since. 
But what I love about working with students, and I did for the first six years at that camping ministry, was uh, how kind of willing they are to just go for it. And so since my job was to run the activities, I was somewhat known in the little camp. I was like a little Mickey Mouse. And then I would go in the nighttime, and I'd walk into the cabins and have like intentional conversations with all these, you know, high school girls. And I remember studying this, like, okay, so Jesus asks questions, but he doesn't just ask the questions, he also listens, like he engages in conversation. And what I learned is that when you listen to people, that's when you learn how to love. That's why he asks so many questions. He opens up the heart so that when he loves people, he knows that he's not just loving them with the best of them. Because that's the problem. If you only bring what you're so proud of into places like this, then you'll be convinced that you have to bring all of the best of you only to receive love from God. Friends, you can bring it all in this place. And that's what's gonna transform you. So I remember one summer in particular, I was so captivated by this particular story that I walked into the cabins and I went, hey girls, who wants to play a fun game? And the girls are like, I do, because I love games. I'm like, okay, here, it's gonna be really fun. So what the game is called is, if you really knew me, you would know what? Because if you end like this, it sounds fun. <laughs> I said, it's gonna be super simple. Let's all, we'll get in like a real fun circle and then we'll all just like finish that sentence. It'll be really fun. We'll start shallow, like if you really knew me, you would know, and then you just finish the sentence. And then we'll start shallow, round one, then we'll go deep, 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 fun, 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 yeah? And one girl I remember was like, no, that doesn't sound fun at all. Like not even, <laughs> not even at all, not at all. But what I would bring is this, we gotta know each other. If we don't know each other, we won't know how to love each other. So I'd give them two rules. Number one, share your life. If you don't feel loved, it's probably because you're not known. Because if you're known 90% and then loved, you don't feel loved fully, right? But I'd also give them the second one, which is like more of the Jesus posture in that moment, which is asking questions, but listening. Because when you listen, you learn how to love. Listening is not waiting for your turn to talk. Right, you do it, you're sitting at dinner and you say the thing and then they start saying the thing and then you're thinking of the next thing you're gonna say. You know what I'm, ta- you know what I'm talking about? Yep. And then if you're like me, you get a second thing and you're like, what was the first thing? <laughs> it's not listening. Notice Jesus he listens and he loves, he listens. And so I told them, you gotta share and you gotta listen. So we'd go round one and round one was always just super shallow. I don't know if you really knew me, you would know. Uh, when I was 16, my parents were like, here's a good idea, let's get her a dog. And I was like, even better idea, let's name it Abercrombie. If you really knew me, you'd know I have a dog named Abercrombie. <laughs> and it went around the room and everyone named their animals. Round two, a little deeper. Then round three, most of the girls are crying, except for like two or three, you know who you are. <laughs> Round four was crazy. And it was usually right around like round four that I'd like look at the leader. I'm like, actually, I gotta go, but. <laughs> and I go into the next room because I was so desperate for people to be known and loved and know how loved they are. And I remember, I remember my fourth round when I'd stick for the fourth round. And this was my fourth round. It was this, if you really knew me, you would know that my cousin has severe special needs. And since I was like 12 years old, I've hated when people use the word retarded to hurt someone. If you really knew me, you would know that. And I love this, by the way, with high schoolers, it was amazing because the things that they, it was almost like the leader would initiate what that round was about. And that one, that round became like what they're, what they feel like almost this holy urgency this thing that's disruptive within them that God may have disruptive in them on purpose. And so I'd share that one and everyone would go around and 
The very next day after sharing that one, I remember I was standing on the recreation field. My job was the games. So I had my little microphone and it was gonna be relay race day. And so I needed all the thousand students behind their, their cones and trust me, relevance is coming. And so I took my little microphone. I'm like, everyone back behind your cones. You know, a thousand kids is like hurting cats. And so they're like, ah, they finally clear the field. I'm like, okay, so for the next relay race, what we're gonna be doing? And suddenly a kid jumps out on this team, dresses a banana and starts running across the field. And I'm like, what? And this whole side, because they're high schoolers, starts going, banana, banana. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? I need banana, get back. You know, and so he starts running this way. And here's where it gets real weird. He crosses the halfway part, and a kid on this team jumps out, dresses a gorilla. <laughs> and now the gorilla is chasing the banana. This side's like gorilla, this side's like banana. I'm like, can we just do some games? But it's kind of funny. And so suddenly the banana... <laughs> trips and falls and like hits his face and the whole audience is like, ooh, and I'm like, banana split. And everyone's like, ah, it's a good, it's a good moment. <laughs> Until the gorilla shouts out, you're such a retard. <laughs> oh man. One girl from her little cone who was in a cabin with me the night before sprints from her little cone, stands right beside me, puts her arm around me and whispers, you don't have to be alone on that one anymore. Friends, if people don't know you, they won't know how to love you. Maybe even some of you don't feel loved here this morning. My encouragement, let yourself be known here. People are gonna ask you questions. Divine encounters begin right there. When you're willing to open up the heart specifically to someone who the love of God dwells within, who can show you the love of God. If you don't, if you don't know, if you don't know how loved you are, I'd, I'd ask you, are, how known are you here? And then secondly, if you're a leader in any role in this place or a leader in life, I gotta ask you this, are you listening? Because when you listen is how you learn how to love people. This conversation goes back and forth relationally and she's learning about Jesus and he's learning about her and it's going back and forth because people are sharing. The heart is getting cracked open and the love of God is about to come and he starts talking about cups and he says, there's a place, there's a person, you can go and be satisfied. And she goes, I'll take some of that and I gotta be honest, that's where, if, where I, wish that the, I wish the passage stopped there. Because that this would be the message if, if it stopped there. Come to Jesus, he'll fill you up and send you out. <laughs> Which is crazy, because sometimes he does. But he, in this moment, says this. Go grab your husband and come on back. And she goes, ooh, about that. <laughs> Here's what it says in the word. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. She responds, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands and the now man you now live with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And if you're a numbers person, I really like that Jesus is the seventh man in her life. Perfection. He's like, hey, go. Um, he's like, I want, I want you to be filled. I want you to know how loved you are. Go grab that thing. That one place you've been running to find love and acceptance. I want you to go grab that thing. I want you to open up your heart deeper. She's like, about that. Because God won't be part of your life. He wants the whole thing. But God who is love wants you to know how loved you are in the whole thing. Go grab it. Come on back. 
remember one of the first times I read this passage for myself, I remember thinking like, for her the problem wasn't a man, it was men in general, and I was thinking like, okay God, for her she had this certain issue, and I don't necessarily, I don't know how to, I wanna relate to the woman, like teach me, like what was it for her about men, and here's what, I remember sitting on my beige couch, and here's the three words that came to mind, what is it with her that I can relate to, and it's this, she's just looking to be loved. Number two, I think she's looking for probably some cultural acceptance. And then number three, I think she's looking to be significant. And I remember sitting there with the Lord and going, okay, okay, that's her, and I, th- I believe, God, it's she, just like me, longs to be loved and accepted and significant. And so I sat there with the Lord, and I said, what do I do with this longing? Do I pray it away? And here's what I found. Those longings aren't bad longings. They're only problematic longings if you seek to have them satisfied anywhere outside of Jesus. Friends, it's not crazy that you wanna be loved and accepted and significant. That was put in you by a God who created you and one who wants to satisfy you in all of those places because what we come to find with why Jesus even came in the first place is because God so loved you. He loves you. For those of you that already know that, I have a different word for you. You ready? He loves you. (laughs) A deeper word for the next. He loves you. I'm praying that by the power of the Spirit, you would actually crack open not just your head that is convinced that you already know that, but rather your heart and the places you feel unlovable. He loves you. He just, just loves you. And then... See, what we find is that John chapter four, the conversation continues, he reveals who he is, but ultimately he spends his entire life doing just that. See, why did God come to us? Because we couldn't get to him, so God came to us, that's Christmas. This is Jesus, fully God, fully man, walking among this earth, living the life we couldn't, and why does he go to the cross? To take that which we deserve. And I'll tell you what we deserve, church, if you need to be reminded, we deserve to be very far from a holy and a perfect God. We deserve to be far. We experience death, that's how, that's how Romans says it. We, what we deserve is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death, a separation from God is what we deserve because of our sin. But as Corinthians puts it, he, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. Which means the moment you believe, not in your ability to get to God, but trusting that God came to you, the moment you believe, Your sin is imputed, which means accredited to the cross of Christ, which means you get to stand fully forgiven for all of it. And not only is our sin imputed onto him, our sin is put onto the cross of Christ. He died the death we deserve and then he rose to give us new life. Here's the phrase that Paul writes, in him. Do you know what that means? That means he took everything we deserve and then we, by grace, that's unmerited, unearned favor, through faith and trust, not in ourselves, but in Jesus. He gives us back everything that Jesus deserves. That's how we can be children of God because he was the son of God and we get to stand in him. And guess what it means if you're in him? It means you're accepted before God the Father. So friends, here's the good news of Jesus. Not only does he love you, but because he paid the penalty for you, he rose to give you life in him. You one day get to stand before God. Watch this, fully accepted already. Because your acceptance is not based on your merit. 
Your acceptance is based on your belief and trust in his merit. I gotta tell you, if one day you're gonna stand fully accepted, what are you waiting for in living like it's true today? Can I tell you, why not walk into the gym accepted before you work out? Can you imagine? I'm good. Would that change how you approach the gym? Or oh, how about this? How about a job interview? I'm accepted already. And God is so sovereign, I can't even screw it up in this interview. See, Jesus engages in this conversation with a woman. He says, go grab the very thing. Go grab the thing you've been running for. I want to address your cup. Go grab the very thing you've been running to be filled. And friends, it could be all sorts of things. And we're so, we're so prone to wander. God, I feel it all the time. I'm so tempted to want to be approved of by other people, accepted by other people, invited by other people, loved, satisfied by other people, or maybe a relationship status. In Christ, you are. And what we come to find out is it's not just that she finds love and acceptance. Listen to how the story progresses. She goes off about the differences between Jews and Samaritans and talks about places of worship and Jesus says, oh, a time is coming and has already come. In fact, here's how it puts it. Believe me, verse 21, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation's from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and the truth. And she responds, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he'll explain all of this to us. And with the ultimate microphone drop, Jesus declares, I the one speaking to you, I am he. And I want you to hear these words declared over your life. Everywhere you've been running, I'm it. I'm the one who satisfies all those longings. You don't have to run anywhere else. I wanna fill you to overflowing. And how do I know? Because it doesn't stop there. Verse 28, it says this. After Jesus declares to her who he is, after opening up her heart and wanting to crack, crack open all the places that she may not believe it, here's what he does, it's, or what she does. It says this, verse 28, then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? <laughs> Could this be the Messiah, the promised one from long ago? And friends, transformation has begun immediately, immediately in this woman as she cracks open her heart and Jesus tells her the truth. How do I know transformation has begun? Here's why. Because she is now going into town to the people she was hiding from and she's starting the conversation with the very thing she was hiding. And it's true, your past will either be Satan's greatest weapon against you, keeping you at wells at noon, or it will be your greatest source of strength because you'll see the power of God in it. Your past will either be Satan's greatest weapon against you or God's most powerful tool for his kingdom. Which will it be? She opens up her heart, she opens up her story and says, use it all. And here's where it gets good. She wanted love, acceptance, significance. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. <laughs> he told me everything I ever did. He knows all. 
and loves all. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. Please stay. And he stayed two days. And because of the many words, more, believe, more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. In Christ, you are loved. In Christ, accepted. And in Christ, invited to be a part of one of the most significant movements in the history of the world. But God tell you where it begins. At coffee shops, life's interruptions, kids tugging on your shirt, all sorts of places that we may not be looking for him, but I'll tell you, he's present right there. Including every single hidden dark part of your heart too. And that's what I believe in response he wants to open up. That this wouldn't just be something that would sit, because maybe many of you are going, that's good, that's good, that's good. And here's what I'm convinced of, starting with interruptions, life, minds, distractions in the beginning. I believe he wants to open up your heart and the truth that he is everything you need, that that truth would sink and do the transformational work by the power of the Holy Spirit to move from this place to there, that you would rock away satisfied and that he'd fill you to where you just walk into rooms and love first, not because they deserve it, but because you were reminded at church this morning, you never did, but he gave it anyways. Will you pray with me? Father, we know that you're everything we need. We still run elsewhere, so Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would bring to light the places we've been running. What are these wells? What are these relationships, these roles? Where have we been running to be satisfied or accepted or significant in this world? Would you bring it to the surface, not to shame us, but to love us? <laughs> and lead us by your spirit. God, I pray for freedom in this place because we don't have to hide a thing in your presence. You engage in relationship that we might open up our hearts. So do just that, Lord. Allow our minds to wander with the awareness of you, that you wanna meet us right where we're at and you love us. God, I know that's a picture of heaven, fully known, fully exposed, and fully loved. So I pray right here, even that little pocket, that little secret, even the word secret, I'm sure, brings up things that you'd rather hide at, at a well at noon. So God, I pray right now, between you and us, we'd open up the secret, or we'd open up the rhythms, or we'd open up our plans, open up what we're doing with our time. And God, before we change or try to just do a bunch of stuff for you, I pray right now we just know and receive your love in our failure, in our mess, we love you, Lord. Be glorified as we courageously open up our hearts and our lives to you. Fill us with not effort, but your love. And I pray from place to place that we'd be interruptible for your kingdom purposes and ultimately loving a bunch of people. Help us remember by the power of your spirit, we pray. And all God's children said, amen.